Welcome to episode 12 of The First 40 Miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, we'll talk about the top five pack messes and how to avoid them, on the Summit Gear Review, we'll review some ultra-light sock liners made by actual worms. On the Backpack Hack of the Week, we'll show you a multi-use item for your mess kit. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from a famous English poet of the Romantic era. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. A few episodes ago, we talked about fun and interesting places to find backpacking gear and supplies for your backpacking trip. Well, one of the websites that I recently discovered is called Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter is a place where you can come up with an idea for a, a product that you want to make, and you can get it crowdfunded. So, you know, instead of going to the bank for a loan or something like that, put it up on Kickstarter. And then a bunch of people can visit the website, they can check out these uh, product proposals, and they can pledge a certain amount of money to uh, the development of that product. And usually there's different levels of pledges, and based on the amount that you pledge, you're promised something in return for that pledge, uh, which may or may not be the final product when it's produced. Uh, you yeah, know, that's, it could be a bumper sticker or signing up for their email list. And then if they meet their funding goal, then the project is considered funded and uh, the people behind it go make their product and get it launched. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's a fun way to do things. It's kind of non-traditional and it involves everyone. So I did some searches on Kickstarter and I found some really interesting things that maybe our first 40 milers out there would be interested in knowing about. So one of the things that I found was an inflatable kayak Trek kayak, Trek kayak, anyway, it has two Ks in the middle, so Trek kayak, and it's six and a half pounds, and it's an inflatable kayak that you could take with you on a backpacking trip. Another thing that I found was called a micro stove, so it's basically an ultra lightweight pedestal that you set these tablets onto, they're fuel tablets, and you can just have a different method of um, heating up your food. Another thing that I found was a walking stick. And this one I thought was kind of cool because it's made of different reclaimed and reused materials. It's made from reclaimed golf shafts and high-performance fabrics and snowboards. So some interesting materials for this uh, walking stick. It's called the Indus Walking Stick, I-N-D-U-S. And the cool thing about it is it has a 3X lifetime warranty. So what that means is they guarantee it for three generations. So wow. you, your son, your grandson, they can all use this, this hiking stick. All right. So kind of cool. Uh, there's also a lot of artistic ventures that are funded on Kickstarter, uh, like documentaries. In fact, one that was successfully funded a couple years ago is called Mile, Mile and a Half. And it's a documentary about a group that hiked the John Muir Trail, 211 miles. 
And uh, so they put up a campaign on Kickstarter to get funding to, you know, produce and edit and launch this uh, DVD of the documentary. We still haven't seen Mile, Mile and a Half ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we learned about it on a backpacking trip. And like we all um, agreed that we would get together as a group and watch Mile, Mile and a Half. So I've heard it's a great documentary. And uh, we've, we've got to get together and actually see it. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Oh, it sounds fantastic. Well, another thing that I found on Kickstarter is something called the Clipter, and it's Q-L-I-P-T-E-R, and it's a super clip. And basically what it is, is it's like a carabiner with a fold out hook on it so that you can clip your backpack through the carabiner and then hook the hook onto a tree branch and then the bottom of your pack stays dry. And that was the original purpose Kind of the idea behind this clip was this lady was hiking a lot and backpacking and she was doing it all in the Northwest where the ground stays a little bit soggy and damp and she decided that she wanted to create something that was that would keep her pack off the ground. Yeah, one more interesting find. Um, I speak Chinese, so there was one on Kickstarter that caught my eye because uh, it used the letters XU, which would be pronounced SHU in Chinese. And so this one is called Snowshoe, S-N-O-W-X-U. Cool. <laughs> I don't know that it has any Chinese connection, but I thought it was a clever name for these uh, collapsible snowshoes. Lots of innovation is happening on Kickstarter, and it's just cool to be able to be a part of it and see the cool things that are out there and the, the creativity that people are putting into, into these products. There isn't really a section on Kickstarter for outdoor products. You kind of have to be creative in your search. So when I was searching, I looked for things like hiking, outdoor, backpacking, trail, and camping. Those were the words that I used in the search box. But there are other things on there too, like fleeces that are made in the United States, chargers for your phone and other devices while you're on the trail. There's an environment tracker. There are other documentaries. Just lots of different things. And the more you check, the more you'll find. And they keep things up there for a long time. They keep products up. Even after they've been funded, they'll keep the products up there. Ah, so even for a product that's been funded a year or two ago, right? Uh, you might find something interesting on Kickstarter that was already funded and now is in the marketplace. And right. you could go check it out. Well, we have a few things to talk about next on our top five list that uh, probably won't make it onto Kickstarter. That's right. These are the top five pack messes and how to avoid them. Uh. I think one of the worst things that can happen on the trail, besides being eaten by a raccoon, is having a mess in your pack. I mean, just opening up your pack and finding something has exploded in there and is all over your clothes or has dripped onto your sleeping bag. There's no running water out there. So everything, every mess that you make, it's harder to clean up. The number one pack mess is melted chocolate. Now, nothing fuels a backpacker quite like chocolate. It is the fuel of backpackers around the world. But as you know, good chocolate, like really high quality chocolate, melts at body temperature. So if you're packing your pack right and you have all your food against your back, you know, that's where most of the weight should go is against your back, then you're going to have some nice chocolate melting mm -hmm. right against your back. And after an afternoon of backpacking, you could have a huge mess. So our solution to this is quite simple. 
It is M&Ms. Or if you are somewhat of a hippie, a natural foodie, then um, there's an alternative to M&Ms called Sunspire Sundrops. So those are made with more natural ingredients. They're kind of cool. They're, I mean, they're really natural. They have the evaporated cane juice. Yeah, it's a little bit different flavor than M&Ms, but uh, would be be just fine in your trail mix or you know, whatever. They kind of, yeah, they do have kind of a molassesy root vegetable flavor. They get their coloring from beet juice, so it's interesting stuff. All right, the number two pack mess that you can avoid is leaky peanut butter. So peanut butter is another one of those things that has fueled backpackers worldwide. It's just a classic calorie-dense food that you've got to take with you. So some people, if they want to avoid bringing a whole container of peanut butter, might be tempted to scoop the peanut butter into a plastic baggie and maybe store their peanut butter there. But that is a guaranteed mess. We had a personal experience with this where I thought it would be so clever, so great to put peanut butter into plastic bags and you could just squirt it out. It ended up leaking and leaking all over our food, which meant we had to wash everything with soap and water so it wouldn't be all oily and greasy. Fortunately, our little mistake happened before we left, and we were able to clean it all up. Yeah, we talked about this experience in episode 10, and we discovered the peanut butter problem on a shakedown hike. So we weren't actually out on a real trip. It was just uh, right close to town where we were testing out some things before the real trip. But the peanut butter just had this pervasive ability to seep through whatever plastic bag type of container you might put it in. It really has to be in a pretty solid container. Yeah, so you have a couple of options here. Number one is you can leave it in its jar. So just make sure your peanut butter is in a plastic jar and tighten the lid really well. And don't be afraid to wrap it up in a paper towel and put it inside of a gallon Ziploc bag just because you want to have a few levels of protection there just so if it does get tipped over in your bag or if it heats up and starts to get kind of runny, you're not going to have peanut butter spilled in your bag. Another solution, which was one of my favorite solutions um, when we went on a recent hike, is the Justin's Peanut Butter Packets. And Justin's makes peanut butter. It's all natural, and they come in these, they're a little more than an ounce um, packets, and they're easy to open, and then you can just dump the peanut butter in your mouth. And they have some amazing flavors too. So it's not just peanut butter. They also have almond butter, which is actually the one that I'm in love with, just plain almond butter. And then they have different flavors of peanut butter, just all sorts of fun flavors that really add variety to your food stash. Yeah, we loved having the Justin's packets uh, with us on a trip. They they seem like just the right amount. Yeah. They're a single-use packet, fully sealed, so there's no leakage problem at all. And then you've got one serving of peanut butter that you can you can eat it all in one sitting. I, I think I'm with you. The almond butter packets, they, they were just wonderful. I loved those. Yeah. So the number three pack mess is a punctured water bladder. So even the best water bladder systems are subject to punctures and little holes. And I know water isn't like the worst thing to get all over your pack, but if you were planning on staying dry, then it's an issue, especially if you're in colder weather and you end up with a, a spring, a sprung leak. How do you say that? A springed spring? If a leak has been sprang <laughs> from your you water bladder, <laughs> you got a leak and you got wet clothes, wet stuff. 
So our solution to this is just a plain old basic water bottle, and especially the lightweight disposable ones. Like I use a smart water water bottle. You can find it in any grocery store or gas station, and it has a screw-on lid that's about you know an inch wide, and it's meant to be disposable, but you can use them for a long time. And at least if those leak, they're usually on the outside of your pack,、uh, right? Down low, so it's just going to drip onto the ground. The bladder is going to be inside your pack against your back, and it's going to soak everything <laughs> that that it comes in contact with. The number four pack mess is drippy olive oil. Now, on one of the backpacking trips that we took, we packed our olive oil in a plastic screw top container, and it made me nervous. It really did to have a bottle of olive oil in the pack. I know a lot of backpackers swear by bringing olive oil with them. Um, so if you do, if you really want to bring olive oil, make sure you do the same thing as you do with the peanut butter jar, and you wrap it in paper towels, and then you put it inside of another leak-proof bag. But we have a better solution, and that is to go to your local Subway, buy a sandwich or something, and then ask them very nicely if you can have a packet of their olive oil slash canola oil mix. And that'll at least get you by, get you a few more calories on the trail, and it will be leak-proof. And again, single-use packets—you know—that's really nice and convenient when you're out backpacking. Yeah. Because it's completely safe until you open it, and then once you do open it, you're using all of the contents in that one-use packet. The number five pack mess that you can avoid is weeping cheese and high-fat meat. Do you know what weeping cheese is? <laughs>、uh, yeah, I can guess what you're getting at. You know, you let the cheese sit out on the counter for a while at home, and it starts to get this oily film on the outside of it. Right, right, right. So yeah, as cheese and meat warm up, then the fats inside of them will melt. The solution to weeping cheese and high-fat meat is to either use the powdered cheese from the green shaker can, or to use dry meats like beef jerky or cured dry salami. And then, if you are going to bring a block of cheese, just make sure that you wrap that either in cheesecloth to absorb some of the excess oil, or you can use a disposable paper towel. And then make sure you put it inside of another bag, so you have that extra layer of protection. Some kind of heavy-duty, either quart-size Ziploc freezer bag or、um, a gallon-size Ziploc freezer bag. I suppose you could find a low-fat cheese, but then the problem is you're giving up the calories that you need. Oh, and what's the, the point of low-fat cheese? Oh yeah. Yeah, really. Come <laughs> on. There's a saying. I don't know if anyone has said it before, but I'll say it. Anything that can leak will, even if it's never leaked before. <laughs> even if you squeeze it at home and you've tested the lid and everything, it's true that anything that can leak will. So if you have to bring leaky stuff on the trail. Then follow these steps: wrap it in a paper towel or in cheesecloth, double bag it or store it in a leak-proof container like a tested peanut butter jar or a Nalgene bottle. Make sure that you store that item upright and make sure that it doesn't get crushed or squished in your pack. Good tips. Can I share a pack mess? Well, can I share a mess story? It didn't happen in a pack, but it happened on a backpacking trip. We took this backpacking trip. It was just an overnight trip. Today, I don't think I would ever carry a glass jar full of 
spaghetti sauce. But, you know, (laughs) I was a young teenager, whatever. It was what we decided on for our menu for our trip. We were going to have spaghetti. So I actually had a full jar of spaghetti sauce in my pack. And it was a a short trip, just a couple miles uh, in the foothills of the Cascades um, up by the Skagit River Valley in, in Washington State. So the neat thing about this trip is there was this cabin. We called it Charlie's Cabin. So we hiked for a couple miles, and then we could all stay in this kind of an abandoned cabin. The problem on this camp out is uh, not that I packed a jar of ragu. I mean, that is heavy, and I wouldn't do that knowing what I know now. But the problem was that I didn't pack my saucepan. So I had my little camp stove, and I had my jar of ragu, and I had no way to cook the ragu. <laughs> so, of course, what do you think I did? Ate it cold? No, no. No, no, you couldn't do that. <laughs> Took the lid off the jar and sat it right on top of my camp stove. Oh, and I thought, well, no. I'll just keep it on low and I'll heat it up really slowly. Well, everybody knows that camp stoves don't have low. No. They, they don't do low <laughs> very well at all. And so uh, within a minute or two, the bottom of the jar shattered and exploded. <laughs> And immediately all the sauce poured out and doused my stove. So that was the worst backpacking mess that I think I've ever run into. And it was completely my fault. Oh, wow. Yeah, I should have known better. Oh, that's classic. (laughs) Well, here on the first 40 miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear. The Summit Gear Review gives you a 360 unbiased look at backpacking gear before it goes into your pack. Summit stands for structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. So today we're reviewing the REI Silk One Liner Socks. Now, sock liners may seem kind of like a ridiculous purchase to new hikers and backpackers. I kind of felt that way when I was doing my prep work for my first backpacking trip. I just kind of thought, well, Why do I need to double the socks that I buy or buy special socks just for walking around? And I kind of, kind of thought it was a hoax created by the retailers. I understand now kind of the purpose and the, the reason for having liners. Liners are really thin socks that are wicking and they're meant to provide a place for your hiking sock to have friction with so that your hiking sock isn't irritating your foot. So basically, your foot and your shoe are not completely in sync with each other when you're moving. Uh, Your shoe moves a little bit differently than your foot does, so that causes friction between the shoe and the foot. And when that friction happens, then two things happen. Your shoe wears out and your foot wears out. I mean, your skin gets rubbed away. And of course, that's what causes blisters is where you get a layer of skin that gets rubbed loose and now you've got an ugly, sore, painful blister. So of course, if you put a sock in between your foot and your shoe, uh, that helps because you could have more of the friction, more of the sliding happening between the sock and the shoe instead of on your skin. But if you have two pairs of socks, it's even better. And if if that inside pair is a pair of liner socks, it's usually a little bit smoother, slicker material so that if any rubbing does happen, 
it's not going to be rubbing between your foot and your liner sock. It's going to be between your liner sock and the outer sock and between the outer sock and the shoe. So all the rubbing, all the friction can happen somewhere else. And you can have that liner sock nice and tight against your foot with no movement. And that saves your skin and you don't get blisters. Well, these socks were a lot of fun. They're silk. So of course they feel dreamy. They're so buttery. They just kind of have that slick, not in a polyester slick <laughs> way, but in a really uh, just luxurious way. They're really nice socks to wear. So these are actually made of 54% spun silk, 43% nylon, 2% polyester, and 4% spandex. While they're soft, they're also pretty stretchy and really comfortable to wear. So I did wear these with some wool socks. Every time I wore the liner with my wool socks or my hiking socks, I didn't get blisters. So it was a really a simple way to prevent blisters. Although I haven't had these socks for a really long time to test out their true durability, um, silk as a material has really great tensile strength. Yeah, we think of silk as a delicate, right? Because, right. you know, it's used for making ties and fancy dresses and stuff, but it's actually an extremely strong material for its weight. Yeah, and it's also wicking, which means that you won't have squeaky toes. It'll keep you cool in the summer and warm in the winter, which as soon as I figure out that, uh, <laughs> I'll explain it to everyone else. Yeah, the whole trick is that it keeps you dry. If you are dry then you're not affected by the outside environment as much, whether it's real cold or real hot, either way. Thank uh, you for explaining that. <laughs> I always wondered what they meant by cool in the summer, warm in the winter. Yeah, I mean... It, <laughs> Am I the only one who didn't less, understand that? <laughs> less cold in the winter and less hot in the summer. Okay. That's probably a more accurate way to say it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> These socks weigh only 0.8 ounces or 22 grams. And you can hand wash or machine wash, just don't add bleach to the mix. And when I took these on the trail, I actually just hand washed them. But because these were kind of creamy white socks, kind of milky color, they never got clean. They were just always kind of dirty looking, but that's okay. These socks were $9.50 a pair. And because they were so thin, they dried fairly quickly, which was really great because I wore these socks more often than I wore the wool socks. So I wore these to bed and I wore them on the trail. And you just had two pairs with you, uh, one to wear and the other to wash and be drying uh, and be ready for the next day. So the only thing I would change about these socks is the color, just because it's really hard to get white clean. I mean, who makes something white for the trail? It's silly. Besides the color, these were fantastic socks and yeah, I'll keep everyone updated on how they last because I'm excited. This is my first piece of, I guess my first piece of clothing that's been made of silk. I don't go out dancing in silk dresses very often. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's kind of fun. It's a fun material. And made by worms. Made by worms of all animals, really. <laughs> it's amazing. Today's backpack hack of the week is a leak-resistant cup. Now, you see this all the time on stuff that you buy at the store, it'll say resistant instead of proof. So this is not a leak-proof cup. We can't guarantee anything. <laughs> Already you know, if it can leak, it will leak. Backpackers do everything they can to simplify their gear and make sure that everything that goes into their pack is a multi-use item. 
So this leak-resistant cup has multiple uses, and it weighs barely over an ounce. What you want to do is take a small Nutella jar or a small plastic peanut butter jar, use it up, peel off the label, wash out the container really well in the dishwasher so there's no scent left, and you have a really lightweight, strong cup that you can use for lots of different things. You can use it for portion control, for times when you want a smaller meal, or maybe you want to save the leftovers from a meal. It's shallow enough that you can reach your spoon into it and you can use it as a serving container. It limits food waste because you can keep the food that you haven't eaten in the container and maybe have it a couple hours later when you're ready for some more dinner. Food can be prepared and stored for later in the jar. If it can leak, it will. It's leak resistant, which means that you need to make sure you tighten the lid really well. And I like to do the squeeze test where you squeeze the jar and if you can hear air coming out of it or if you can push air out of it, then you know other things can leak out of it. So make sure you tighten it and then do the squeeze test. And this jar is easy to wash. Just add a little bit of water, swish, like shake it up really well. And then you can either scatter the contents as you walk down the trail. You wouldn't want to do it in camp. Or you can swish and swallow it. That sounds gross that to sounds me. tasty. Some people, that's how but, they clean out their... Well, it makes sure that none of your calories go to waste. That's right. <laughs> the one thing you want to be careful with, with this leak-resistant cup, don't put boiling water in this cup or it will shrivel up and melt and you'll have kind of a warped, a warped peanut butter jar in your pack. Cool stuff, not hot stuff. So the thing that makes this better than something like a Sierra cup is that it has a lid. And that means you can kind of uh, hang on to whatever food was inside of it for a little while and eat it later. But as you say, the downside then is uh, you, you can't just pour boiling water into it. It'll just sort of melt and collapse. Right. Yeah, if you want a container for doing food prep, you can use a 32-ounce yogurt container. Those are pretty heat resistant. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, George Gordon Byron. Lord Byron was an English poet of the Romantic era. So I suppose you want me to read this one. Please do. <laughs> there is a pleasure in the pathless woods. There is a rapture on the lonely shore. There is society where none intrudes. By the deep sea and music in its roar. I love not man the less, but nature more. Absolutely beautiful. Thanks. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. bundle up things, you know, like things that'll tie things onto your pack. Um, a multi-use item that will uh, provide multiple uses on the trail. <laughs> no, I didn't just say that. Okay.